All right, GM, GM, it's time for the portfolio review. We're going to go around DFS, best ball, underdog contest, pickums, all of that stuff. Reviewing week seven, the good, JSN, breakout, Deontay Foreman shares back from the dead, and the bad, getting dusted on DraftKings. A tale as old as time. Let's do it. I suffer from a debilitating condition known as atropic shockitis. Peter's one of the greatest depositors. I've ever seen. Trust the process. Let's go. Let's go. I got auto match with Levitan. This is bullshit. If I just go the other way in that 66, I win all the money. All the money. If I had 150 lineups, I'd win too. Process over results. Illuminati make a bitch go crazy. I don't know which one of these is my baby. Bust out AP. Cold spot bullets in your head like KD. Bust it. Bust it. Hey everyone. All right, GMs. Holy cow. My mentor, David Kitchen, becoming a YouTube member. I actually think David was already a YouTube member. Uh, his subscription must have lapsed uh, there. But David, it always feels nice to have the man whose trunk I am grafted on supporting my YouTube channel. Uh, Matt had a uh, cash to GPP lineup this week that he was frantically making in the parking lot of a trunk or treat. Congratulations. I know a couple guys in the Hand Builders channel, I think it was Gormanji, built a, a, one of his best lineups at a flag football game a few weeks ago. So you know what? I, I feel like the phone shitter bros, they get a bad rap because we're evolving. We're now making lineups at flag football games at something called a trunk or treat. Um, maybe this is the new meta. Forget the Sims. It's where are you building your lineups? Where are the hand builders, you know, getting the inspiration to build total shippers? Graphic here already upset about Bijan. Yeah, really bizarre stuff. I actually just made a video about it for Fantasy Life, and I was reading the quotes from Arthur Smith about it. And it was one of those things where it was like Bijan you know, had a headache. He said he wasn't feeling too hot, but he was like ready to get out there. And Arthur Smith goes, no, we're good. Let's get you right. Let's get you right. I'll, I'll just give, you know, Tyler Algier 21 carries and Cordell Patterson 10 carries where I do think in a lot of those situations, the player is just like, nah, man, I, I want to play. I'll be out there. I'll fight through it. But of course, Arthur Smith, he's like, no way I get a chance not to use my first round pick. I can use Cordero Patterson, the Joker instead. Yeah. Sign me up for that. Um, so yeah, very frustrating day. For Bijan drafters, uh, their one carry for three yards. GMs, GMs, GMs all around. Uh, J Mike highlight from the weekend, Pete. Oh, man, another uh, very underwhelming uh, weekend for me. Uh, let's see. We did. We had April swim lessons on Saturday morning. Uh, she's doing really well in there. She loves jumping off of the side of the pool. Now I put her up on the side. And she gets really excited and kind of like scooches her butt to the edge and then jumps into the water. So I'm thinking she might be a little bit of a daredevil. That's the vibe I'm getting. That was a weekend highlight here. Uh, Joshua says, uh, Tyquan Thornton got a catch yesterday to save our best ball mania teams. I actually missed that. I did see that he was on the field watching, what was it, Demario Douglas have an incredible game. Uh, but yeah, the, the thesis of Tyquan Thornton is uh, is always week 17, right? That's how he won Pat Corain. Uh, two million dollars as you just wait to deploy Taekwon Thornton on the unsuspecting masses in week 17. Um, let's do a little housekeeping here before we get rolling. I believe the ducks need to be fed, right? The ducks always need to be fed. All right, there's the ducks. Let's get the ducks fed here. 
All right, there's the ducks. And I think we need a fresh coffee pour here too. Get the sleeves rolled up here. It's, start, it's starting to get a little chilly here in New England, guys. No more tank tops. No more tank tops. The guns are going away for the year. Now we're wearing light sweatshirts. I need to turn over my closet, get all my hoodies out here for this fall stretch. But let's get a solid coffee pour here to get us off on the right foot. I think that was a pretty solid pour. Um, it was a close call. AJ was excited for this pour. I, uh, you know, I had my the cup of coffee going a lot earlier this morning, and I realized I didn't have enough in the coffee pot for a hearty pour. In my mind, and what you guys have done to me is you have broken me so much that I'm like, all right, I know I have the show in 20 minutes, but I need to go and make a secondary batch of coffee because if this pour is not hearty enough for the chat, I will get lambasted. And so I went up and made what I would call a content pot of coffee. Uh, uh, some more just for you guys to make sure I can execute the pour on a high level because like Nick, I was not executing uh, my lineups at a high level yesterday. Let's dive into it. If you guys are new here on the channel, and the reason I say that is because uh, a ton of people have been watching the Friday uh, shows with JM. Those are getting uh, way more views than they than they ever used to. So if you're new here, what we do on uh, on Monday mornings is we're reviewing our portfolio. We'll look at DFS lineups, my underdog contests. I got a lot of volume down again in the Battle Royale, in the Dog Bowl, and we'll celebrate another member from the Deposit Kingdom punching their ticket to Miami. We'll look at the Deposit Kingdom contest on DraftKings and then also take a little uh, lap around our best ball portfolio. Um, let's get let's get cooking here. I mean, the macro story as far as yesterday, right, was if you didn't have uh, an elite tight end on naturally national tight end day, you were getting dusted. Um, it was a return to form for the tight ends. Travis Kelsey, 38.9 points. Uh, Darren Waller, 22.8. Mark Andrews, 22.3. Even Dallas Goddard last night on Sunday Night Football, 18.7 uh, points. So as you can see, two from the quarterback scoring, Lamar and Mahomes there. So if you did the premium alpha stack, uh, Lamar and Andrews, Mahomes, Kelsey, you were printing yesterday. And I think I had asked Tuttle this on the Swolecast as well. I was like, are people getting fatigued with the with the alpha, you know, premium stacks with the tight ends, right? Because everyone's down to pay, pay down at tight end. We hadn't seen like a slate breaking performance from one of those elite tight ends yet. And people were just kind of like, I don't, I don't want to pay up for these guys anymore. And we finally saw the ceiling games from both Lamar and Mahomes. Mahomes doing it in the way you would expect. Four TDs, even turned MVS into a top 12 wide receiver yesterday. That's how you know Mahomes is cooking. And then Lamar getting it done on the ground a bit as well. Nine rushing attempts, 36 yards and a touchdown. So um, I did not have Travis, Kelsey, Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, or Mark Andrews in my lineups yesterday. So I'm gonna have fun staying poor. I will uh, share my lineup. I think basically every single one of these plays I talked about on the cram. Um, I was very into this uh, Seattle, uh, Arizona game. I really wanted to pick on this Cardinals defense. I love the spot for Seattle at home. Seemed like the team was... Um, finding their form you know Gino didn't look great against the Bengals but he still threw for 300 yards he had missed JSN for a touchdown I thought this was a really good spot for them to get back on track 
And then you coupled that with the DK Metcalf Q tag. And I was kind of leaning toward thinking DK Metcalf wasn't going to play. And so I, of course, was not going to miss this opportunity to, to get to play JSN, to get to play Tyler Lockett at this price tag without Metcalf. And then, of course, uh, I did want to tack on Kenneth Walker and basically play that chalk through more of an onslaught and being like, yes, the field is going to play Kenneth Walker at a very high clip, but I am going to try to capture all of the points in a game where I thought the Seahawks could potentially score 35 points here. That did not happen. They scored 20 points. Uh, Geno Smith uh, looked pretty bad, had the fumble, had the interception, only finishes with 15.76 points. That game was just absolutely maddening uh, to watch. Um, their troubles in the in the red zone. They had the one time where they were just shut down at what was it at the goal line and had to settle for a field goal. Um, but let me read off the full team here for the audio listeners who I will always remember to service here. Geno Smith, eleven. 0.4%. This is in the big spy, the 100K spy. Kenneth Walker, 61.5%. Jonathan Taylor, 1.6%. Tyler Lockett, 22.5%. JSN, 17.1%. Amari Cooper, 14.6%. Trey McBride, my gold star lock of the week from the cram, 5.1%. Uh, Cooper Cup, 35.5%. Chiefs defense, 14.9%. So I would say not too many shockers here for me. I know on the cram, one thing we do on the Sunday morning cram, which by the way, if you guys are YouTube members, the Hand Builder and Opto Bros, you get access to both the DFS After Dark shows on Saturday night, as well as the Sunday morning GPP crams that we kick off at 1045. And I had done a poll of like, which quarterbacks are you guys using? And it was overwhelmingly Jordan Love, um, a ton of Jordan Love. And I thought, man, maybe Gino isn't going to be as chalky. I think ETR small field ownership had him coming in around 15%. So that gave me a little bit more confidence to use Gino, not thinking that would get crazy. And then because the DK Metcalf stuff hadn't been finalized, I thought JSN would stay in check. I think ETR had him around 10 to 12%. And then I think this extra 5% naturally made sense for him to come up once DK Metcalf was ruled out. But this main block here, Geno 11.4, Kenneth Walker 61, Lockett at 22. I honestly thought Lockett was going to even be a little higher than that. Um, JSN 17.1 and then McBride as my bring back at 5.1. I think this is about what I was expecting. I feel good about that. Jonathan Taylor was the the lever I was most excited to pull um, as far as from a uniqueness standpoint. And I had talked about how I had so many guys going late yesterday that I was like, I want some early information. Ended up doing this Jonathan Taylor and Amari Coopy. Uh, Amari Coopy? Uh, Jesus. Amari Cooper mini correlation here. Um, the JT pick I felt very good about. I thought getting him at this cost, at this ownership, was never going to happen again this season. That either his price was going to go way up or his ownership was going to go way up, but to get him at 6,500, 1.6%, felt really good about that play. And, you know, I think there's scenarios where if Jameer Gibbs doesn't get there, you know, maybe Deontay Foreman doesn't go nuclear, having the guy that's sub 5% that puts up 20 points could have been a very extremely valuable asset. Um, didn't play out that way for me, obviously, because my main onslaught didn't hit, um, but feel good about that one. Amari at 146 
that was basically me acknowledging that I did really like this spot for the Browns. If you guys were running any optimals yesterday, you were seeing Deshaun Watson in all of these Browns. Like we were reviewing the ownership and it's like Deshaun Watson, most popular quarterback by the algo backed, you know, ownership projections. Jerome Ford, a top two owned running back. Amari Cooper, Elijah Moore popping in optimals. David Njoku popping in optimals. I did not want to touch um Deshaun Watson for lots of reasons I also just I think his him at chalk never makes sense to me there's just too much risk I never associate Deshaun Watson with anything resembling safety and yet I did think I love picking on this Colts defense we've seen them get shredded by a lot of people so going to Amari Cooper here at what I thought would be moderate ownership and a little mini correlation with Taylor made sense to me but man Amari had a rough game had a couple of drops and then you know, Deshaun Watson's in and out of the lineup. P.J. Walker looks horrendous uh, when he's out there. And they just had, it was a random game too, where there was lots of defensive scores, um, a lot of in and out there for the Browns. Cooper Cup, I guess the last piece to discuss here, um, you know, he was very popular, I think rightfully so. We didn't have a ton of really banging high-end options. Um, obviously, in hindsight, Travis Kelsey was the high-end option you needed. But on this lineup where I was correlating my tight end bring back with my stack, didn't get to him. Cooper Cup, 35.5%. I knew it was going to be a rough day for Cooper Cup when I watched that first drive. I think he had two drops on that first drive um, because I am a film bro now uh, watching my, my YouTube TV. But yeah, Puka ended up being the Rams wide receiver you needed, made some sick catches. And Cooper Cup just looked kind of out of it. The Steelers' pass rush was getting to Matthew Stafford, um, and they end up losing here 24-17. to 17. I did play the Chiefs' defense um, 15%, maybe a little higher than I would like, um, ideally for a defense. But because I wasn't playing Kelsey, because I wasn't playing Pacheco, and this game had the highest total on the slate, I did want to think of ways I could leverage that ownership and say, hey, what if the Chiefs turn over Justin Herbert a few times? Maybe that's a way that I can crater some of that chalk and get some points. They finished with 10 points here. But uh, pretty pretty shitty lineup uh, from a results standpoint here. I think the big lesson for me is that I struggled with was, should I have pivoted off of this lineup or some iteration of it based on what happened at 1 p.m.? Where Jonathan Taylor, happy with that result, but Amari Cooper puts me behind the eight ball I was kind of paralyzed and I, I ended up electing to let it ride because I had so much PMR, so much dependent on a single game. And this was kind of the dynamic I talked about in the cram where I'm like, you want that information early. And I ultimately don't think I got enough information to totally redo my lineup. Um, I wonder in hindsight, if it would have been um, better to have played a defense early, maybe I play the Patriots in my other lineup where I had the extra hundred, I got up to the Ravens defense, which gave you some extra information. But here, I really only had those two guys going early, and it left me in a predicament on how to handle late swap. Um, but yeah, ultimately, you know, doing these onslaughts has been something I've wanted to do more, especially on a slate like this where there were not a lot of good totals, no totals over 50, multiple totals under 40, and thinking this is the kind of slate where if you just nail the one game that pops off, um, you can win all the money. That game ended up being Browns and Colts, but you would have had to have been very creative to get on that one, right? You basically would have need a, a Minshew-like onslaught, right, with Jonathan Taylor, Josh Downs, and Pittman, 
and then you bring it back with Jerome Ford. I guess you could have punted it off with David Njoku, but that was like the game onslaught that would have um, really helped you outside of the alpha stacks with those elite quarterbacks and tight ends. Mm. We cry on Mondays. I'm catching up on the chat here. Uh, yes, I use the word lambasted. Um, next year, National Titan Week should be week 17. Yeah. Yeah. Why can't they have it uh, week 15, 16, and 17? A three-week national holiday where our elite tight ends are able to separate from all of the other jabronis at the position. Robert ran a similar team just with Eckler and Bijan. Um, those guys came in very low owned. I think getting up to those running backs on a slate like this where ownership was condensing was a pretty smart way to play it. Yeah, what the hell? Nobody told McBride about National Tight End Day? He did have that sick hurdle though, guys. I mean, when I, I don't just gold star lock these dust, dusty athletes. If I'm gold star locking someone, they do need to be able to hurdle a defender on a little catch and run there. Hmm. OG1, JSN was mentioned by you and JM. I remember I slotted him in a couple of lineups that min cash. And yeah, and that was when J, JM and I slotted him in our lineup. That was with the assumption that DK Metcalf was going to play. And it was still seeing JSN's role grow. You know, we had seen his ADOT increase every week, his snaps increase. And they came out of the bye and were playing uh, a little bit less of the two tight end sets that had kept him off the field. So I thought at his price tag at 3,900, he was in play regardless. And I was kind of hoping DK Metcalf would just suit up and maybe be limited, maybe a little T Higgins decoy type action. And then JSN could really cook. Um, but then once DK Metcalf was out, I do think JSN was by far the best sub 4K play on the slate. Um, but I got to give it to Bobo, man. Uh, Bobo's legit. Uh, Bobo was actually running ahead of JSN. And by that, it was basically like they just had Bobo play the DK Metcalf role. And JSN was doing his JSN thing. So it's not even to take anything away from JSN. I refuse to take anything away from JSN. I need him to uh, continue to crush. But man, Bobo's legit. Uh, Bobo can play a little bit. So the future is bright in Seattle if uh, if Gina Smith can ever put it together. I know, I said Koopy. This is me doing too much baby voice these days, and now I slip up and say things like Amari Koopy. Hmm. The music mic says, I've never seen a chalk piece so unanimously supported like Cup. Makes so much no sense. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm not... I don't even think 35% is that outrageous. I guess maybe you could say that because of his price tag at 9,500. Um, but you just were triangulating every single thing you want in a DFS play, right? You love the matchup. Um, the Steelers secondary has been has been beat um, a decent bit, even though they do get a pass rush. Cooper Cup, his role and his volume projection is so good. And now they're using him a little bit deeper down the field as well, which opens up even bigger plays. Uh, so yeah, I, I think lock buttoning Cooper Cup um, was completely fine on on this slate. Um, but yeah, it ended up you missed out on Travis Kelsey because it was basically impossible to get Cooper Cup and Travis Kelsey into lineups together. So I'm not beating myself up too much about the Cooper Cup play. I guess I am like tossing around in my head. Should I have rejiggered this lineup and gotten Puka in there and gotten off Kenneth Walker? But I think that's one thing I struggle with when I'm working on my lineups on like Saturday nights and Sunday mornings with the Sims. And I'm like trying to grade stuff out and see how things are playing in specific contests. And then to 
make like wholesale pivots that completely alter the the texture of the lineup in a way that probably makes what you simmed out completely useless in benchmarking that lineup against the field and other lineups. I was just struggling with that. And um, yeah, I think it was a unique slate in that we just aren't going to have too many weeks where so many of the best plays in the interesting games are in the late slate. It's almost always the opposite where we have more information early and I personally find it a lot easier to make late swaps when I have 60, 70% of my lineup in the 1 p.m. games. And then it's really easy to know, like, what trajectory is my lineup on? Do I need to get more unique? Because I can't, you know, beat all the chalk players that are already ahead of me in contests. So I found this to be a tough slate, at least for how I kind of approach late swap. And I decided, you know, for this year too, um, don't fiddle with it. I'm not the late swap king like Davis Maddock when it comes to his cash game uh, lineups there. So I decided to stay in my lane this week. Didn't work out. Let's look at a couple other variations on this lineup. So I basically played um, three different contest sizes. I've been doing the Big Spy. This has 5,555 entries. And then I also play the 250K Spy, which is about half, 2,777 entries. And then playing a Baby Spy here with just 555 entries. And then doing the same thing that I have been doing, which is keeping an extremely tight core and then making some slight pivots. So on this version in the slightly smaller spy, uh, instead of Jonathan Taylor and Amari Cooper, I did both of the uh, Packers players, Christian Watson and Aaron Jones. And then I was able to use that extra money to get up from Chiefs defense to Ravens. So it was basically just a 3v3. Um, and instead of doing that mini correlation, which I thought gave me a higher ceiling in a bigger contest like the spy just rolling out both packers thinking about them as a block of points and knowing that christian watson and aaron jones were collectively going to be more popular than jonathan taylor and amari cooper so aaron jones in this lineup comes in at 11.8 percent and then uh christian watson comes in at 19.6 percent all the other percentages here pretty similar to the bigger spy. Um, and then the Ravens D 11.7%. That was my preferred play over the Chiefs. They were 100 more, but I knew they were going to be less popular. They're less popular by about 5%. That ended up being a solid play there. They get to 14 points. And I kind of liked that um, negative correlation against Jameer Gibbs, who I wasn't playing. Of course, Jameer Gibbs hits. But as far as um, why I like them as a play, uh, they're at home against a chalky running back. Obviously, uh, Christian Watson blanks 5.7, similar to my Amari Cooper play. So I was just missing where regardless of which wide receiver I was using in the mid fives and low sixes there. And then Aaron Jones, um, 8.7 points. He clearly was not um, fully back. They were using a, a third running back in addition to A.J. Dillon there. It was kind of a three-way split. And Denver... The Denver defense isn't as much of a sieve as maybe we think. And I know Mathology actually just posted this in the uh, the Hand Builders Discord here. But, you know, since that that game against the, the Dolphins, where they gave up an, a historic amount of points, they've been fairly decent. You know, the Chiefs struggled to move the ball on them on that Thursday night football game a couple weeks ago. And then, you know, Jordan Love um, didn't necessarily have a banner day either. So we might have to adjust how we're thinking about picking on the Denver defense. And then my final lineup in the baby spy. So this was only 555 entries. I basically rolled out a full blown onslaught. And so then the only tweak here on the other one is instead of playing um, Christian Watson, 
I did Marquise Brown. So I ended up having um, six total guys from this game. And then I was able to get up to Bears defense in this lineup. Ended up leaving Aaron Jones. So this was the thought, hey, if this is the game that shoots out, I do not need to be perfect at every slot. Between Marquise Brown and Trey McBride, can I capture a good chunk of the Cardinals points? Uh, narrator, no, he couldn't. Uh, Marquise Brown here, like all of my mid fives and low sixes plays yesterday at wide receiver, gave me the snowflake at 7.9. He was also very popular, 34.2%, which is why I didn't feel comfortable using him in the bigger and medium-sized spies, wanted to use him in the smaller one. Um, Bears defense ended up being a really nice play at 2,900. They were only 3.2% in this contest, and they get 17 points. But still, um, I am at the uh, far, far away from the cash line here. My Geno Smith stuff just not hitting. Um, real quick, before we look at the Deposit Kingdom winner, I did want to just see the lineup here that shipped the big spy. Um, pretty logical lineup here. Um, I, I really like this lineup from Bacon Bits. Um, it, did this get duped? Oh, it was like a near dupe, but it's the same amount of points, 207.86, a lot of similar players, um, but just the exact same amount of points. That's so weird, man. I would, look, if I could win 75K playing the spy, It'd be the greatest moment of my life other than when April Eleanor was born on December 8th. But outside of that, it would still be a glorious day. And yet I would be mega tilted if I chopped the spy. If I could, if I had to put an asterisk next to my winning of the spy as I was 1A in the spy along with Zach Nelson, that would just tilt me. Like my OCD would be tilted by that. But regardless, this was the winning lineup. A Patrick Mahomes double stack to Rashi Rice and Travis Kelsey. You bring it back with Joshua Palmer. You play Kenneth Walker, the, the most popular play on the slate. And then you pay down for one of the other better values on the slate, Deontay Foreman, who's going to be slightly less popular than Jerome Ford. Instead of playing Jerome Ford, you put in the Browns defense at 3,300. And then you play Jackson Smith and Jigba, the best pump play wide receiver, and Drake London um, at uh, 5,100, who only put up 11 points, but it didn't matter. Um, the, this is one of those lineups that actually feels good to review because I'm like, I could have made this lineup. I look at this lineup and I don't see anything here um, that I don't envision myself getting on. Just a very logical double stack and a bring back, get a, pull some uniqueness levers, but not a ton. Not a single player under 10%. I guess Patrick Mahomes at 9.9% here. Uh, but Patrick Mahomes, uh, the high, or the, the lowest owned player. Otherwise, this is just all good plays. No hidden gems, just solid plays in a correlated lineup that wins $75,000. I should try that sometime. I should try that sometime. Um, all right, let's look at the deposit kingdom league here we did uh 400 entries this did end up filling um it was what two weeks ago we had it at 450 and we were two entries short we'll see if we can get it back up to to 420 or 425 this week um but shout out to smash mouth bucks who took this down um had a patrick mahomes double stack but with pacheco no, no Rashi Rice and did the Josh Palmer bring back. So that was how you won yesterday. A Mahomes double with either Pacheco, um, Rashi Rice, or MBS would have worked alongside Kelsey. Joshua Palmer was an awesome 
uh, bring back here. Also had Deontay Foreman, uh, Puka Nakua as the pivot off of Cooper Cup, and Drake London, apparently a fixture of winning lineups in week seven. And then Michael Mayer going with the double tight end on National Tight Ends Day. Um, I thought Mayer was a good play. Um, you know, his role was growing. I thought there was some input volatility as far as Devontae Adams isn't going to have a five-target game like he did in week six every week. And there was a chance with the quarterback change that Michael Mayer's kind of breakout was going to be put on pause. We even heard the quote from Josh McDaniels after the game when he was asked why he wasn't playing AOC. Um, and he said, it's not preseason anymore. My guess is Josh McDaniels associates Michael Mayer as a preseason type guy. But regardless, does not matter. Smash Mouth Bucks here um, goes double tight end. And then Ravens D shoves it down our throat. 202.16 points. I see GQ in here uh, also with a really nice lineup. Got the Lamar Jackson double stack. This was another super clean double stack. I mean, I love this. Lamar Jackson, Zay Flowers, Mark Andrews. You bring it back with a Monroe St. Brown. Um, and you have that running back pairing there again. Kenneth Walker, Deontay Foreman, and JSN. So a lot of the winning lineups this week followed a very similar blueprint double stack and a bring back with you with either the chiefs or the ravens you play deontay foreman you play jsn um and you win easy game easy game yeah robert says i thought palmer would be 20 plus in the spy um yeah i think that elevated price tag like once you get over that 4500 range i do think there is like a mental block at least i feel this when i'm building where i'm like man I don't mind playing like a little chalkier, like sub 4K or when we're punting it off at tight end, or if we're playing like a chalky Cooper Cup because it's like, I know, I'm, I know what I'm paying for. But when you're in that like high fours, low fives, there's like a block in my head of, man, I don't want to play a chalky high four guy. I mean, it implies that there's a lot of risk with their targets and such, but Joshua Palmer at 4,800 and coming in a little lower, I'm guessing because a lot of players had that same mental block as me, um, obviously a good play. I don't love him as much here as a one-off in this game, especially against your defense like GQ used it here. I think I preferred him in a correlated fashion as a bring back with Mahomes, but uh, who am I to nitpick uh, because GQ sitting here with a nice lineup. Um, I see our guy Tom from across the pond here also had that similar double stack. I love this lineup from Tom because he did um, basically two game stacks here, right? And he didn't even force any uh, bring back. So it's basically playing Lamar, Zay Flowers, and Andrews, and then playing Keenan, Josh Palmer, and Rashi Rice. So getting access to two games, Deontay Foreman correlated with the Bears defense, and then Jerome Ford as a one-off. So this is another one of those things where how many things did Tom get have to get right in this lineup? He essentially had to get three things right. The Ravens roll. The, the Chargers-Chiefs game is kind of a sneaky shootout, or not sneaky, uh, but a shootout with the, with the pass catchers. And then Deontay Foreman and Bears D correlation. Get three things right. You finish in fourth place for 186.88 points. Congratulations to Tom there. Mm. All right. Um, two Conman says, I stopped being so concerned about an opposing player uh, in defense because on DK receivers can get there on volume. That doesn't hurt the defense. Yeah, for sure. I It would never be something where... If I loved a lineup in the salary fit and you're like, I don't want to go down to this defense and it just fits that way, I have no problem with it. Um, I will say on a slate like yesterday, probably one of the best defensive 
slates we've seen as far as options at the defensive position. I would have maybe have tried to, to find a way to, to not do that necessarily going back to this lineup. Um, but yeah, my guess, and can we see the salary here? If they had any money left over, um, chiefs defense, I guess. Yeah. Like, are you going to go down to Patriots against bills? I guess you could, but yeah. And especially in a small field, right? Like this, this comes up all the time. We're, we're talking about field sizes. This is a 400 person tournament. You don't have to worry about, you know, slightly negative correlated boosts like that in the way I do think you have to worry about it in the Millie maker. So that's a big distinction too, as far as how you're thinking about those macro correlations and how those correlate. Um, you know, when you need to hit the 99th percentile outcome for, for multiple slots, that gets harder to do in the Millie maker. Speaking of Millie maker, my best lineup yesterday, or I should say my highest scoring lineup was the, the Millie team I built with Neil Orfield from stochastic on DFS after dark on Saturday night. Um, I I've enjoyed the exercise of building the Millie maker lineup because it's not just, you know, when we do the lineup on the Swolecast on Wednesday, um, one, we're trying to get our bearings on the slate, but two, we're trying to kind of get in the best plays. Uh, when Neil and I were building this lineup, we're trying to build a lineup that can actually win the Millie here. So we play Jonathan Taylor at 2.1%, Judy at 2.5%, Romeo Dobbs at 6.9%, Travis Kelsey at 17.9% uh, getting off of the Cooper Cup. Um, this lineup obviously doesn't end up sniffing the Millie because the Jordan Love block with Dobbs and Aaron Jones doesn't hit. But from a Millie perspective, um, I do like the, the ownerships we're able to get here on some off-the-radar plays. Um, by the way, if you guys, uh, I've mentioned it before, but if you guys want access to those shows I do on Saturday nights, really enjoy doing them. I had actually never done a show with Neil Orfield and got to know him, kind of his background doing content um, when he won the Millie Maker and kind of how he juggles all of his DFS play with also getting really into best ball as well. He's a pretty high volume best ball grinder. So if you guys are a YouTube member, go check out those shows. One nice thing about those, obviously like the crams that I do for YouTube, members as well those are not evergreen at all right the second the slate locks um we're just talking about plays but the saturday night shows are very evergreen they're just interviews with people around the industry and some really good macro dfs strategy stuff a couple weeks ago justin freeman had a really interesting point about how he thinks about double stacks and bringbacks in specific types of contests so some fun strategy and kind of outside of the realm of dfs talk on those shows if you'd like access to that and uh, yeah, let's let's head over to Underdog because I got in a, a decent amount of volume uh, uh, this week on Underdog. Got in 50 entries in the Battle Royale again. Got to get my my Gladiator rake back there. Um, I blasted off on the Dog Bowl because they had that promo again where any lineups that you had in the top 2,000, you'd get your money back there um and then i had one lone entry in the goal line stand um did not have a big day yesterday on underdog here but first of all on the dog bowl we got to give a shout out to sacrilegious um sacrilegious is a, a deposit kingdom og he also hosts stat chasing for us on the ship chasing channel that is a usage trend show that him and drico 
do uh, on Tuesday nights. And Sacrilegious, legitimately one of the sharpest people I know, submitted to the Best Ball Data Bowl and uh, was actually on the stream this summer as well. I had him on Best Ball Breakfast. Extremely sharp dude um, and not a surprise to see him littering the top of the leaderboard here in the Dog Bowl. He had three lineups in the top 10 here. He finished in ninth, sixth place, and first place. And I think there's a lot to kind of learn about what he did in this contest, but it's not surprising to see he had a very tight, player pool with how he was approaching this contest. So his winning lineup, Lamar Jackson to Mark Andrews, Jameer Gibbs, Deontay Foreman, Chris Godwin, Cortland Sutton. You look at his seventh or sixth place team, Lamar Jackson to Mark Andrews also has Deontay Foreman and Chris Godwin. His team in ninth place, Lamar Jackson to Mark Andrews. Um, no Deontay Foreman on this one, but did have Cortland Sutton. So he had a very clear strategy in this, uh, in this dog bowl this week, which was to load up on Lamar Jackson, Mark Andrews, which was um, a fairly easy or gettable stack in the dog bowl this week as far as how ADPs lined up. And then also had a very tight construction around his player pool. And, you know, he had clearly had conviction in Deontay Foreman and in some of these wide receivers who projected for really good volume late. You look at kind of what he was doing at wide receiver. He was not taking on a lot of necessarily volatility like Chris Godwin and Cortland Sutton have been earning targets at a high rate there. And so I love how he approached this there. It, it, there really isn't a lot of fancy stuff here. It's having conviction on this premium double stack that was arguably underpriced relative to its ceiling and then just scooping up as much volume as he could. You know, Deontay Foreman, when you got to the later rounds of these dog bowl drafts, he projected for the most volume of, of basically any running back back there. Even like the Rashad Whites and the Najee Harris's who were readily available back there, I don't think their carry projection was as solid as Deontay Foreman. So um, shout out to Sacrilegious, another Deposit Kingdom member heading to Miami. Um, I said on Twitter, we're basically just going to have to establish a residency down there at, at this point. So that is uh that is awesome work there by sacrilegious my best team here i did have one of these lamar jackson mark andrews uh premium stacks and jonathan taylor at running back um i thought i had a chance to maybe have a little fun in the afternoon slate um you know this one this lineup actually felt close right because drake london had that touchdown or near touchdown where he hit the pylon or like right before the pylon and basically did a flip that six points would have helped. Um, Tutu had that touchdown that I think was supposed to be for Cooper cup that he caught. And then JSN had that good first half, but really tailed off. I was like, Holy cow. If you give me that Drake London touchdown here, I'm going to do the thing where if just these 19 different things would have happened. I would have been going to Miami too, but I actually thought I had a fun sweat here for a second where I was, uh, not maybe maybe two two big plays from Tutu and JSN away from crashing the party there. Um, but yeah, I felt decent about my dog bowl uh, portfolio. Had a team here with Baker to Godwin that had Kelsey in it, or this was a double stack with Mike Evans and Godwin and even a little Najee here. I mentioned Najee as another one of those guys who um, had just a decent touch projection. And it was such a gross week at running back, specifically in the dog bowls in these 12-person drafts, where you really had to be hunting for volume late to make sure your lineup wasn't dead on arrival. Battle Royale this week here. Uh, shout out to Free Money Team, who 
similar to sacrilegious was just completely uh, crushing here at the top of the leaderboard, had a team finished in first and a team finished in fourth. He, of course, had the Lamar Jackson to Travis Kelsey. And this shows the differences in contest sizes, right? Where in the Dog Bowl, all you had to do was get that one thing right, essentially, the Lamar to Mark Andrews. In the Battle Royale, a much larger contest, you had to hit the nuts with Lamar Jackson and Travis Kelsey. There does get the bring back um, on... Lamar with Jameer Gibbs. You had to have Deontay Foreman yesterday. He puts up 31.5 points. And then Puka and Mike Evans here in the mid-range. And then looking at his other team, a similar Lamar Jackson, Travis Kelsey, the exact same running back pairing, Jameer Gibbs, Deontay Foreman. And then this time Puka with Lockett instead of Puka with Mike Evans. So really interesting to see these sharp players roll out such similar lineups and mixing and matching. And it goes back to that larger conversation too about, you know, being heavily condensed um, on a single slate. Um, there's ne not a right or wrong answer to it. It's just your risk tolerance level. You're going to have more weeks where you completely brick, you know, when the Lamar Jackson and Mark Andrews premium stack doesn't hit, sacrilegious, you know, licks his wounds and moves on to the next week. But when it does hit, you give yourself multiple shots at getting the correct pieces to bubble up around that uh, that hitting stack there. So I think that's definitely a takeaway for me this week of having a little bit more conviction on my core plays and not going through the motions as much as just like, oh, this guy's here, I'll take him. Because it can be very easy to fall into that complacency trap um, when you're doing drafts where you're like, oh, this guy's an ADP faller by two spots, I'll take him. But I do really um, appreciate uh, the conviction that some of these drafters have had. And then it allows them to not just have a winning week, but a massive week, which is ultimately what you want. Because it's so, so hard to climb to the top of these leaderboards that when you are right, when you are directionally accurate on one or two big things, you really want to realize an outsized windfall for being right. And I, I've seen on uh, on Twitter, I don't know if it was Nez, uh, who else it was, but you know some of our underdog drafting OGs saying like, these contests have gotten harder. They are legitimately harder than they were last year. There are more people playing. There are more people using tools. The field is sharper. And so thinking about how you are, you know, approaching your portfolio on a given week, I do think is something, it's a tweak that I want to make. Um, because trust me, I, I'll click buttons with the best of them. I love drafting. It's very fun. Um, but now that I'm putting in more volume, I want to be more intentional with how I am building out my portfolio. And it's a lot easier, I think, with Best Ball Mania to be intentional when you have like four months and you're constantly recalibrating how you feel about players, ADP shifts. When you just have this sprint of, you know, drafting for four to five days, it's often harder to have a clear thesis on how you want to approach that slate. Or at least it is for me. Maybe, maybe for other people who have more uh, conviction and clarity in their thought process if that's not as hard, but it is hard for me. Um, partly because it's easy to get pulled in a lot of directions. Like, oh man, you know, I went through a, a Commander's Giants phase of drafting last week where I was like, yeah, I, I wanna load up on my Sam Howell stacks. I wanna boost my Darren Waller and Saquon Barkley exposure. And then you go through that meta and then you're like, all right, now I get bored with that. Let me go over and get back to my JSN late round selections and stuff like that. And so I guess my takeaway is, I want to be more intentional with how I'm building my portfolio and not just being that bag that is blowing in the wind as the week uh, progresses.
or I could just put my nuts on the table. That too. That's that's basically a much more succinct way to say what I'm doing uh, or what I want to do is I just want to put my nuts on the table. Um, Troy here is down bad. I posted a 205.89 score, but I did not run that lineup in my three max or single entries. It's tough, man. It's tough. Uh, that's why this year I, I do have a little bit more peace of mind with my DFS play in that I'm playing an extremely tight core, essentially one lineup and some slight variations. And in, in that regard, I am approaching my like DraftKings portfolio, how I would ideally like to approach my underdog portfolio, right? Where it's like, if that core game hits yesterday with the Geno Smith block, then I'm giving myself multiple chances to mix and match those other pieces around it. And then if that block hits, I have a chance at a really big day. Um, if it flops, then I just brick out and we move on. And I want to apply some of that like tighter um, portfolio um, elements to, to my underdog play here. Um, I think that's about it for uh, the Dog Bowl and the Battle Royale. I did really like that $25 price point this week for the Dog Bowl, and uh, I believe that it fully filled as well. So we'll see if they're rolling that out again this week. And if you guys are wanting to get you know, more in the weeds like me with the Battle Royale and the underdog drafting, highly recommend, um, one, obviously checking out the Badge Bros. They're doing great work, uh, multiple shows a week. And then I've been syncing up with those guys on Fridays on the underdog channel, often on the clock. Um, we do that Fridays immediately following my DFS strategy show with JM. So I do uh, DFS strategy two to three with Jam, then pop over to the underdog channel with the Badge Bros. And we walk through all of the, the, the strategy for the Battle Royale slate. We draft some teams and we rip some pickums um, there. So make sure you guys are checking that out. And then on top of that, I have also been doing a Friday column for Fantasy Life called Hidden Gems, where I write up my favorite scroll the F down plays, essentially. Um, basically, any of the plays that aren't getting drafted in 100% of drafts. Um, had a pretty good uh, week uh, seven from that regard. My Geno Smith was my quarterback. Uh, that didn't work out. James Cook was my running back. Uh, pretty solid score for him. He had 17 points. Rashi Rice was my wide receiver. Um, that one worked out as far as a late round gem. And then I whiffed on uh, Michael Mayer. That one did not. Uh, that one did not work out. But yeah. So if you guys want more of that underdog drafting content, you can check that out. Speaking of pickums, we should look at it, man. I had a I had a rough day on pickums uh, yesterday. The the one we built, man. The one we built on the stream. Was this it? Yes. So this, so every uh, Sunday during the cram, we build one. And, you know, we've had a nice streak because we had a, a cram show five-leg entry that hit a couple weeks ago. Then on off and on the clock last week, the one we built with the Badge Bros, um, that one hit, or maybe that was a couple weeks ago. And then ship chasing, our five-leg and our core pick them three hit. So I'm like, all right, feeling myself. Let's keep the good times rolling. We crowdsourced this one. Jonathan Taylor, higher than 17 and a half receiving yards. Easy game. DJ Moore, lower than 57 and a half receiving yards. Not an easy game. He was looking pretty good there, but he does come in under 54. So that one hits. Trey McBride, higher than 21 and a half. He gets to 29 receiving yards. My gold star lock, nice. Um, then like... This would have been so mega tilting if we were heading into just needing Kenneth Walker to score a touchdown because he got stuffed at the goal line a couple of times. So that one misses. But then the mega tilt here was this Johnny Smith higher than 30.5 receiving yards 
Someone in the chat had suggested tossing this one into the entry yesterday, and I really liked the call. I swear he had 23 or 24 yards on the opening drive and then just completely disappeared after that. So in a way, I'm pretty glad that Kenneth Walker didn't get in the box because if we were one Johnny Smith catch away from another 20Xer, um, I would have been mega tilting there. But uh, building these these pickums has been very fun. Uh, I've been enjoying that. And uh, if you guys want to join us on uh, ship chasing, sweating those on Thursday nights, we share those on Twitter. And then we do a giveaway. Someone last week won $600 because we basically set up the giveaway that when we hit our core pickum, we give away $100. If we don't hit, it rolls over. So we had, you know, we were 0 for, 0 for 5, 0 for 6 heading into last week. That unlocked a $600 giveaway. Um, and that was fun. So this week it'll be a hundred dollars and it'll continue to build up if we don't hit right away. Let's see. I got a few more minutes here before I head off to Sirius XM so we can check in on the, uh, the best ball mania portfolio here. I am right around where I was last week, which is exactly at expectation for an average drafter uh, with my advance rate right now. Uh, I'm advancing 25 teams, which is a, a little over 16%, which um, if you uh, advanced at average expectation would be right around uh, 16% there as well. So we're still hovering right around where we need to be. Um, we only have one team in the top uh, 1,000 right now. It is still that team that I pulled up a few times here. Um, it's in 800. The place 821st place here um it is that team that has been decimated now at running back because devon achan and jeff wilson i guess jeff wilson was back last night but not doing much and then khalil herbert and roshan johnson so that block of players has really fallen off but the nice thing about this team and having a seven running back zero rb build is a guy like isaiah pacheco steps up yesterday um he's been an anchor for this team and then jerome ford um, who had that big touchdown run at the start of the game, then ended up getting injured. I'm kind of worried about him. It looked like he had a pretty bad ankle sprain yesterday. So um, this team is still uh, constructed in a way that I'm excited about it. But man, the hits keep coming to this running back room. It sits at 989 points. It has the fields in Tua. Again, no fields this week, but Tua and Tyree Kill enough to keep things rolling. But man, it, it does show how quickly things change with these teams where it's like two weeks ago, you're looking at Devon Achan and Khalil Herbert and Fields and DJ Moore. And then the next week, those guys are out. Tyler Bajan is in at quarterback um, and uh, we're back down to earth. But when you have these teams with a bunch of studs, you can see how they can carry you. So Mark Andrews, you know, carrying us this week here, George Pickens starting to come on of late. So I still have high hopes for this team. Um, if it can just weather some of these running back injuries, I still love how this team is constructed and kind of the single week upside that so many of these plays uh, give you here. Donovan says, I might have the worst advance rate known to mankind. Um, yeah, it's tough. I've had uh, multiple years like that. Or it was two years ago. Um, had a really bad advance rate across my teams. Um, part of it was, I think I was not as good of a drafter as I am now, but also because I had built a ton of zero RB teams. I had drafted a ton of rookies. And I think, you know, it is, it is, I think, possible to evaluate your play right now and know, do I have a bad advance rate because 
I'm just stuck with some of these guys who have been injured or did I make other mistakes? And I do think understanding like how you built your portfolio, like I'm extremely loaded up on these rookies. And so the fact that I'm at an average advance rate without guys like JSN fully breaking out yet, Marvin Mims, Quinton Johnston, um, guys that are looking pretty rough as far as from their early season expectation, I feel okay being at where I'm at saying, hey, if these guys come on, they can supercharge some of these existing rosters. So depending on how you built, I don't think you should be too discouraged about your advance rate. And the 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 cherry on top to that story is two years ago when I had a really bad advance rate, at one team that finished in 10th place, the team I drafted with Eric Fine for, and it was an awesome team, obviously. And again, that's all it takes with all this stuff. It's one team. So as long as you are not questioning your ability to, to build good teams that have a chance to get through and sun run there that are optimized, that's the other part of this, right? Like, it is possible I could draft a portfolio of teams that probably have a, a 25% or higher win rate if I wanted to optimize for regular season advancement, which is a different thing than fully optimizing your team to win weeks 15 and 17 and correlate those pieces to win in those single weeks. So um, if you weren't correlating week 17, if you weren't loading up on young rookie players and you still have a bad advance rate, then yeah, maybe it's time to look in the mirror. But depending on how you built um, I think it is perfectly fine to uh, to be in a bit of a tortoise in the hare dynamic where let all those other teams run out to fast starts because your goal was to build a juggernaut there. Um, I did want to shout out, um, I, I do have my Neil Farley tool. We can look at the, um, the provocative um, violin plots, but I wanted to shout out um, my guy, uh, Patrick Donovan here. He is in the ship chasing discord. He built a really cool tool here. I'll post the chat in the link, uh, bbmdb.com. Uh, I know Liam has been sharing some screenshots, but this is a really fun tool for looking at both um, individual um, portfolio stuff, as well as going through um, uh, other roster combinations. So if you wanna look something up, hang on, let me refresh here. If you wanna look up like how many people have, you know, Deontay Foreman and Mark Andrews, um, you can type in those two players here and it'll show you um, how many people have that combo. Um, which is a pretty fun thing. So you can see, um, duh, 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 duh. let me see here. And then you can, you can narrow it down even further and be like, and also have Puka um, and stuff like that, which is a pretty fun way to get a view on this. And then it will show you them in, uh, in the leaderboard as well. So want to shout out uh, Patrick here. And yeah, we do have to also shout out Walrus Balls, who is back now in the uh in the top here let me go to the uh the regular season walrus balls was feeling left out he had dropped down in the standings and uh came back where is walrus balls i thought he was top seven last night when someone sent me that screenshot he's still in 20th guys walrus balls is still in 20th place here uh with a nice team 1058 points here um how's ed garvey doing yeah let's go look at that ed garvey team so that the team I was just reviewing, the Chicago-Miami, my best team right now, that was drafted on the same show as the Ed Garvey show. In both of these teams that I drafted on that show are in first place. Um, Ed Garvey, though, is he's in fifth. 
Ed Garvey is in fifth place right now with the Jalen Hurts, Joe Burrow, CJ Stroud, Josh Jacobs, Damian Pierce, Pacheco, Javante Williams, Brian Robbins, and Gus Edwards. Honestly, a, a, a running back room that could age gracefully there. Wide receivers, a little rough. Jamar Chase, DeAndre Hopkins, Zay Flowers, Odell Beckham, Wondell Robinson, John Mechie. And then tight ends, Dalton Schultz, Tyler Higby, Gerald Everett. But Ed Garvey's hanging in there, guys. He might, in fact, land the plane on the Hudson there successfully. We shall see. This team, I had a, a Josh Allen team with uh, finally Dalton Kincaid having a usable game yesterday. This is kind of a fun team. Um, Josh Allen, Sam Howell, Ramondre, Kenneth Walker, Damian Harris, geez, uh, Eli Mitchell, Raheem Mostert, um, wide receivers, Diggs, Keenan, Traylon Burks, Jesus, Traylon, get back, Jahan Dotson, oof, Jahan Dotson looks rough out there. God, Cortland Sutton, Marvin Mims, Khalil Shakur, Miko Hardman, signs of life for Miko Hardman now back on the Chiefs. Tank Dell, David Njoku, and Dalton Kincaid. Um, no, we will never call him that. It is Ed Garvey, AJ. Ed Garvey. Um, yeah, the tool is awesome. Uh, the amount of like tools bubbling up, and again, shouting out uh, Neil, who uh, made this portfolio uh, graph for me as well. He did, he told me, look, you guys, you guys did this to him. You guys did this to him. You made him change the violin plots. They are now box plots. And he had sent me, I didn't get to fully read it. Um, he sent me a document kind of outlining how to use this. Let me read you what he wrote here. He said, chart two. Uh, oh, he goes, he goes, the violin plot is apparently too out there for the people to handle. So this will be reviewed, uh, will be removed for future versions. Not all filters apply to this chart, mainly the player name filter. So I just want you guys to say that your horniness around Neil Farley's best ball chats caused him to change the display. Neil, I, I, I kind of know this audience. I'm going to guess they're going to want the violin plots back. Do you guys want the violin plots back or is it too much? Does it get you too horny on main on a Monday morning to have the violin plots. Okay, this is what I thought. Quadzilla says, this is bullshit, Neil. All right, we're gonna have to talk. I think people need the violin plots back in their life, but he uh, he, he felt the feedback. He saw the video there uh, from last week. And uh, yeah, I mean, I knew Mathology was gonna want it back. Uh, I do need to dig into his tutorial a little bit more how to use it. This showing um, your percentage of entries. I like this one. Um, I weirdly have uh, not a ton of teams in sixth place. Um, and sixth and 12th place are my lowest here. Have uh, a bunch of teams in fourth place. But overall, my histogram of places is pretty spread out there. Um, all right. People are people are pissed. Violins are we riot. All right. I'm going to touch base with Neil. We'll see if I can have him bring back the violin plots. I mean, Neil, you're doing a, a service. It's it's called, it's like both sex and statistical ed. Sex and statistical education. You're teaching us about violin plots and teaching us where, what these little red dots mean on the violin. Um, all right, guys, I have to head over and do Sirius XM. Appreciate all of you. Uh, I know uh, rough DFS day for a bunch of us, but we will get back on that saddle.
week eight. We'll get the games balanced out a little bit again, and we will climb back to the leaderboard. Appreciate all of you guys hanging out. Got the full set of regular shows this week. Um, I do post links to all of those in Twitter or on Twitter, and you can come hang out in the Deposit Kingdom Discord. Become a YouTube member so you can unlock those extra couple of shows each week. And uh, I will see you guys next time on the Portfolio Review. Peace.